All right, everybody, before we kick off this podcast, um, I got my buddy Jake Downs on the mic here. We just got back from a kick-ass hunt in Texas with our friends down at Topo Texas Outfitters, basically just our buddies. Um, and Jake's getting ready to do a big giveaway with, with Bob Lee and uh, how to enter to win that. Um, Jake's going to have a post up on uh, the Bob Lee Instagram page and uh, just follow along on what those instructions tell you on that Instagram page um, to be entered to win. But uh, Jake, kind of go over the prizes and, uh, you know, if I screwed anything up there on on how to enter. No, that's perfect, man. Um, Yep. We're going to Bob Lee's going to give away a custom build, um, whatever you want and whatever bow, longbow, whatever. Um, and then we're going to throw in, um, a mountain muffler string and, uh, some day six arrows and a great Northern, um, uh, quiver, whatever, whatever kind of quiver you want from great Northern. So, and so all you'll have to do, you know, on that custom build, I mean, that's a, you know, $1,400 more, more, you know, package. So, you know, on the on the post, it'll basically be you can read it on there. You know, like the page um, as well as, or excuse me, follow the page. Go follow obviously the Great Northern uh, Day Six Arrows. Um, you know, who else is whoever you're supposed to, and then tag a buddy, and then they'll draw. You know, uh, whatever date, and you can enter the bow at that time. Um, Bob Lee's out of a Texas, and they make. Um, you know, if I was going to tell you to order a bow, I tell you to order a hardcore from Bob Lee uh, with a stable lock system. It's pretty kick-ass. Um, I may be biased on that, but that's what Jake's shooting right now. Um, but just, I'll put it on my page as well. Just kind of look out after we release this podcast on uh, Jake Downs's page as well as mine and Bob Lee's to to be entered to win, and definitely go give uh, Bob Lee a follow at the same time. And Jake, what's your Instagram handle? Uh, Jake underscore D underscore Downs. What's your middle name? David? Douglas. Douglas. Douglas after my dad. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, cool. Well, yeah, everybody, you know, obviously hop on. You can enter to win that. Um, I don't want to get too much bashing here because I get accused of being a little trad heavy um, on here, but I shoot a stick bow, so suck it. (laughs) Um, Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Kafaru Cast. It's Tuesday morning. And uh, I'm with my super good buddy, Jake Downs, from Shadron, Nebraska, uh, who uh, is one bloodthirsty son of a bitch. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> What's going on, man? Nothing. We, we just got back from Texas, where we were extremely whitetail fit. And uh, it was a good hunt with uh, our buddy, Scott. Uh, he owns Top of Texas Outfitters. And uh, I'm going to do a podcast later on with, with him. But um, we went down there for... The hope was whitetail and owl, Dad, but I ended up taking too long to shoot my bucks. So we just got a lot of whitetail hunting in, and uh, yeah, uh, the the week finished strong for me. But uh, Jake had animals running all over him. Um, he ended up basically tagging out. Um, you had quite the you got a hell of a week. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty exciting. Other than uh, I kept thinking maybe they'd cut me off eventually. Like, hey, quit shooting shit. But uh, they didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least not until we, we were about to leave. <laughs> yeah, there's quite a bit of deer, quite a bit of deer down there. But um, we, uh, but Jake and I had stick bows. But you know, it's really the first night I had like 11 bucks around me and four shooters. Um, there's that one they call the kickstand buck. 
um, a Colbuck, a big like five-year-old 10-point, and then another uh, big 10-point, and then there was a big three-year-old 10-point. Um, anyway, there was quite a few deer, but the the freaking screen was down on the window or up on the window, right? The mesh, so you couldn't, you know, they can't see in as well. And the sun was going down. You sat in that blind once in the evening. You can't see shit. And then when Brutal. the sun went down, yeah. the wind stopped, and they heard uh, some movement, which they took off, which kind of screwed up everything. They kind of started to come back in. They're too far away. And that was like the most action I saw for the next three days. I had like sits where I saw nothing where you, you were, you were other than that first night you had a deer come in, but then you were having super good luck. Really? What, what day did you shoot your buck on? Uh, I want to say the, this is like the third day probably. That, that's what I would remember. That first night is a day. Yeah. Yep. I think. Cause you had sat in that stand the morning that morning and hadn't, didn't see anything. Yep. <laughs> Which I was a little like, Oh shit. Now I'm going to go sit in this blind and see nothing. But those, well, it ended up being four bucks that came in, but two shooters. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think that was the third night. Yeah. I mean, I um, had one small buck know. behind me and a couple does in that thick, what were they calling that salt cedar? Oh yeah. And then, uh, but yeah. you, you had them come in and you ended up shooting like a hundred and th- what they say, one thirty something, eight point. It was a good eight point. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, uh, he, I don't know. He, uh, Ryan measured at one thirty five, which is pretty good. Eight point in my shit. I would have shot any of those bucks though. That's the, they had to, they had to kind of police me cause I'd have shot a two year old in the heartbeat. If they'd have told me, I could. <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, but uh, it, yeah, it, it was one of the, you. You mentioned us. To, they were pretty, I think, happy to deal with us because we were relatively easy to please. Other than I eat too much, but uh, you were like, "Where is the most deer? Not the biggest. I just want to see them." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But, I like to see shit. And I like to shoot shit. Yeah. What? Yeah. Ditto. Um. How'd that shake out? Because that was just about at last light, wasn't it? You only had probably five minutes of legal shooting light left, maybe ten. Yeah, it was right. At, it was. I mean, it was right at last light, and uh, the three bucks come down the the trail, and they were acting pretty spooky. And uh, I just, I think I don't think they were spooky because of me. They were spooky because of the. Um, I don't think they were actually spooky. I think what was happening is that the buck I shot had a doe cornered up. Um, Brian was up on the hill kind of watching all this, and I was in the stand. And uh, I think what what it was is those smaller bucks, that bigger buck was kind of working them over a little bit. So he was, so they were kind of acting like they were going to leave. And he was wa- walking to go to a scrape that I didn't even know was there, um, which I probably should have, but he was kind of walking that way. And I thought he was going to leave. And the other two bucks, he had kind of, they'd kind of acted spooky and went back in the trees. So I needed to get a shot off. Of course it was getting dark too. And, and he was a little far. He was probably 26, 27 yards, I would guess. And, uh, um shot made a made a pretty good shot but i couldn't really it it sounded like i hit something pretty hard not a bone you know not a like a solid 
not uh, a shoulder bone or whatever. But yeah, yeah, not a shoulder, but it sounded solid, like maybe um, you know the top of the rib or the scapula or something, which it ended up being the scapula. And uh, he whirled and took off before I could. Re- but the thing that got me was just the amount of arrow that was sticking out of him. I was like, it looked like it was in the right spot, but he whirled so fast. And I saw way too much arrow. You know, my orange fletching was was way farther out of him than I wanted. So I was nervous. And uh, Ryan only could watch him for a split second. He crashed through the the brush, and then it all just went silent, which we thought was a good sign. Um, But we all kind of went in there that night and looked and didn't find much for blood, so we backed out and uh, decided to come back in the morning. So, which I think was a good call. Yeah, that's that's but. super. I was talking to a guy earlier to today about you know kind of knowing to hold them, knowing to fold them, and and uh, you know I'm kind of a you know if you hit if especially if you got daylight, you hit one lung and and muscle, and you're you're kind of running out of blood. It it's might be a real good idea to push them to keep them bleeding because um, they mm-hmm. can live on you know one lung for a long time. Um, you know, we we came back in there. We Scott and I had a morning sit, and it kind of got jacked up because uh, the wind, the way the way they circled around with the wind, all the deer blew out all at one time behind us. <laughs> and Scott's like, "We might as well leave." I mean, one doe blew forty five times. I think like she was just like taunting us, like, "Hey, maybe I'll stop." Nah, and then she do it again. I'm like he. Son of a bitch. So we came out with you guys and you guys thought you'd spotted the deer and, and, and lucky enough, you were able to get close enough and get another, you know, shot, which was good. Cause we were able to dissect it. Um, and you know, it's something we're talking about on this podcast, Jake and I are going to do quite a bit bigger of a podcast over, you know, kind of counting up, you know, well over a hundred animals in the last, you know, two or three years of, of experiences. And, you know, you, you shot um, a wide cutting diameter broadhead, and it's, it's not necessarily the broadhead's fault specifically. Um, it, it's the shape of it. And, uh, you know, if you hit it in the stomach, it'd be different, but your fucking arrow stopped. Right. And about the time I was making fun of you, same fucking thing happened to me. But go ahead and talk about your deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was an eye-opener for me. I uh, And like you say, I mean... I think there's a, a different broadhead for every situation. I mean, not everything is a, is just a, this one thing. Um, I think there's one out there for me that's probably, you know, catches more things than others, if that makes sense. But, yeah, that arrow, what happened when I got up close, I was like, holy cow, that he that arrow is where it should be. You like, were it was a, maybe a shade high an inch and just a shade and a half from a 12 range. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was, I, I couldn't believe it. And the only, I wish I would have taken a better picture. Scotty took a picture of it and it kind of makes it look higher than it is the way the picture looks. But I was like, holy cow. And we just couldn't even, like, we couldn't pull that arrow out of that scapula. It just hit that scapula and just, you know, which it makes sense that wide, you know, like you said, it's not, I'm not blaming the broadhead. I'm just blaming the fact that that broadhead mixed with my, you know, 55-pound recurve bow, you know, at 175 feet per second. Of course, I was shooting a fairly heavy arrow, but still at that, the way that arrow is, is the broadhead's shaped, it's obviously going to suck momentum when it hits something fairly hard. 
you know, when it goes through the, you know, where you're at, you know, right behind the shoulder and you miss that scapula and any bone, um, or, you know, if you're shooting a, a 80 pound compound or even a 70 pound compound. Um, but yeah, it, it, I was a little depressed on, on what penetration I got on that. And, and, uh, so, well, and yeah, I, it was and interesting. Again, I mean, what we're going to kind of cover, cause I, this is definitely not a, a bashing podcast that, that, that we no. do later on. This one definitely isn't, but the one we do on all the broadheads we are going to talk about for the most part are damn good broadheads. It's some food for thought for people to think about um, when they're making their decision. Meaning, if you're planning on shooting it in the grass basket, you may want one specific broadhead. If you're planning <laughs> on maybe hitting the scapula or you're wanting a penetrating broadhead, you may want a different one, which seems like common sense, but there's a lot of variables in there. Two blade, three blade, two blade with bleeder, the weight, you know, the whole, the whole nine yards. But that night, I hit a doe, um, about the best you can ask for, corner and walking away, liver, lung, you know, liver, little liver, little guts, liver, lung type of a shot. And uh, I, I, I hit that kind of, that, that wider part of the rib where it comes off of the spine and it was windy. So I had some tail slap, same type of broadhead that um, Jake had, same style. Again, not the broadhead's fault. I've killed a pile of animals with this, but... It didn't penetrate as well as other shots I've had with the same head with different scenarios that a different broadhead would have. Even the same broadhead and a smaller would have done a hundred times better than, you know, the one I had. And again, this is not a, a negative podcast. It shit happens. And I know for you, it made your, mo- your mind up right there. You were like, yep, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, dude, I... Uh, like you say, this last few years, I've been using a ton of different heads and, and, uh, had really good luck with one of them and had pretty good luck with these other ones too. But there's just one, you know, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it, it definitely, I was, I came home that day and was like, yep, <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. And then that night you were like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so, oh, so I- it was, uh, you know, to, to keep in mind during the, you know, I mean, we're not Ashby, but right, there's a lot of shit that hits the ground because of Jake and I, a lot of data, right? If you would have bet me, I would have bet you any amount of money when I when we got up to Jake's deer, that that first shot didn't kill it, I would have called you a liar. Like it, I'm like, man, that's at that angle downhill. You were a hair high, but you should have been a hair high for a the hair. angle. Yeah, just a hair. And ah, I say a yeah. hair high, you were on the top side of a tin ring, not not like yeah. spine. And I looked at it, and, and it actually probably was like when I say the top side of a tin ring, you were still well inside of a tin ring on a whitetail 3D target. And yeah. I'm looking at it like, oh, that's fucked up. Like, man, something's wrong. So immediately I'm like, dude, we <laughs> need to look and see if the broadhead blew up. Like, I'm looking for excuses. There is no excuse, situational, right? The just the nature of the beast. The deer probably kicked a little. There's some muscle friction there. I'm assuming all of this, yeah. you know, as a guess, and barely poked through that scapula, and 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 luckily got it screwed up enough where you can get in another shot. But again, 
what, how many have I shot with that same type of head animals? Probably nine in the last few months, right? I mean, quite a few. Um, And this was the first one where it wasn't perfect, right? Where it didn't, you know what I mean? Where it didn't, but the same kind of situation you had, I had more wind, high wind, could deep, good bit of bone, you know, even though I've blown leg bones off with it, but that different situational deal, you know, so when guys start racking off about what they would suggest that have never put an arrow through an animal, you and I have put, you know, over a hundred and I'm still like, oh, would have never bet that. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, I was thoroughly surprised. And like you were saying about it being a, bro- you know, broken or whatever, uh, that broadhead was still sharp. Oh, you could have shot another animal. Like it was, yeah. So, you know, it wasn't, it's all, in my opinion, just, I mean, it, I'm not, uh, whatever. I'm not an engineer. I don't know anything, but it just makes sense that that wide kind of short squat he brought in. Obviously this is all what Ashby says, you know, the three to one, the long, the skinny, that's obvious penetrating, but I didn't realize it was that big of a, just a stopper. And after it happened, I was like, uh, duh. Like, you know, it just makes sense. You shoot that into something, it's going to slow it down faster. But in in fairness, I shot through the scapula of my high country deer, which is a little bit bigger body, probably, or the same size of body as your old eight point, Mm -hmm. through the scapula, hit the leg bone, broke the leg bone on the offside and passed through. When it ran, it flipped out. But deer moving, deer bedded, no wind, wind, vice versa. You know, so our our setups are pretty close to the same. I mean, I'm a little more momentum, um, but not not a whole lot. I mean, and so, I, I mean, just situationally, like, Okay, do you want to plan for penetration? Because, I mean, I've talked to several guys in the last day or so since we've been back, and it's funny, you can tell the guys that have hit shoulder and you can tell the guys that have hit stomach because the guys that have hit shoulder, they're a three-to-one, long, skinny, three-blade, two-blade person. The guys that have hit stomach are give me the widest freaking broadhead you possibly can. And it's it's a vast difference between one person to the next. Yep. Well, yeah, and, and I guess where I'm going, where I, I guess my theory on it is, if I hit a hit a hit something in the stomach, it's going to blow right through it, you know, with whatever I end up with with the three three to one, you know, penetrator. Yeah, it may not tear it up as much, but it's still going to tear it up enough. Um, it may be harder to find that animal, but. Uh, I want to prepare for that scapula, that shoulder, uh, that good shot that maybe goes just a, an inch wrong rather than that shot that goes a foot wrong <laughs> and uh, and deal with that, I guess, is my theory on it. Oh, yeah, and kind of go over your setup with everybody, the the bow, the poundage, the arrow, the whole nine that, that, that uh, you, you know, you've been using and had – um, success with, and then kind of your, if you don't mind, your optimal setup. Yeah. Um, so right now I'm using, uh, shooting a Bob Lee hardcore recurve. It's, uh, 54 pounds at 28 inches. Um, I draw about 28 and a half, so it's probably right around 55, maybe 
closing in on 56. I don't know. I haven't really uh, put it on a scale, but it's somewhere around that 55-pound range. Um, shooting a day six, 350, um, and I alternate back. Uh, right now, uh, I'm shooting a 100-grain center um, centric system that he sells, and then uh, a four-fletch four um inch trad vein and then the broadhead i've um, been using i've kind of been like you i've been all over the place this year i uh in the spring i used valkyries um a bunch i used a 180 grain um shorty and then uh his 50 grain uh outsert and then uh what, then I've been using the Day 6 as well, the wide and the uh, the Evo X 125 wide, and then the Evo whatever. And uh, I think that's everything. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just, I, I guess just right outright, um, the I had phenomenal luck with penetration this spring with everything I shot with the, the Valkyries. Um, I've shot a ton of other broadheads, um, some two blades, single bevel, um, you know, down to like the cheap crap, you, you know, the muzzies you buy from, from Walmart or whatever. I've shot a ton of different ones, probably not as many, much as you, but, um, I just had such good luck with that Valkyrie in penetration. I shot the one thing that opened my eyes probably the most, I shot a, pig in texas this spring and i hit him forward and low and it it wasn't a huge pig but you know that 100 pound 120 i don't know whatever just a regular good eating pig blew through the the leg actually went in entered the leg and exited the far leg he was perfectly broadside and and it didn't it didn't blow all the way through him but the broadhead was sticking out the other side he only ran which that's a good another testament to those arrows because they they never broke. You know he was running with that broadhead or that arrow stuck, uh, you know shish kebab all the way through him, never broke. And when I went and looked at that, I was like, holy cow! I cannot believe this animal. I got that much penetration with going through all that muscle and bone and everything. So um, I guess I'm a pen. I'm I've moved from from wide cut. And I'll be honest, I've used some wide cut broadheads. I don't know what, what you've experienced, but I've, with like a two blade, even with the small bleeders, I haven't really seen that much extra blood. Um, and I, I don't know if it's just because of where I've been, been hitting them, but I would have said it would have bled more than, than it has, I guess. Well, and, and again, I mean, it's an interesting conversation that we're going to cover in a lot more depth on a different podcast and we won't cover as much here because again I, I hit a, a whitetail two years ago or three with a Simmons tree shark in the liver area and destroyed it right so, and mm-hmm. he asked me at that time that tree shark was pretty freaking awesome well yeah. <laughs> pivot the deer a little a little different different scenario you're going to pick a a more penetrating and i've killed a a pile of animals with uh the iron wheel standards these iron wheel prototypes 
I've killed a bunch with tree sharks and grizzly XXLs. Um, I killed a pile of animals with Valkyries. Um, you know, cutthroats. I've shot uh, werewolves, um, Maasai's, VPA three blades. You know, a bunch of different heads. And you know, the biggest scenario you got to run in to run to yourself is. Don't worry about when it's right, because it's only right until it's wrong. And when it's wrong is when you're going to have mm-hmm. a come into Jesus meeting with yourself and be like, okay, what do I want to prepare for? Um, you know, and, and again, I mean, that's what kind of the uh, that podcast we do is going to be about. But I, I, I will say that the one thing like, um, you know, bow noise and things like that. We listened to a podcast on the way back from from Cody Greenwood about, you know, string noise and I never really chased speed so much and, you know, noise in general, like when we were down there, those deer are fairly edgy and, you know, bow noise and clothing noise. When I shot my buck, I was such a chicken shit. I didn't even want to hand you the binoculars because I was worried about the noise scaring it off. You know, there's a lot that goes into that because your penetration is going to go downhill when that buck or, or doe is whirling when you hit it. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that's what happened with mine. You know, it was just, it tensed a little bit. And I think it was already tense because those other bucks were there. He was getting ready to hit a scrape. You know, he's rut, you know, he's rut, starting to rut and everything. He's getting ready to, like, he's just burled up, you know. And like you were talking about that high country mule deer, you were a little closer, but you were shooting the same type of head. And that buck was relaxed, laying in his bed. And that's a huge different, you know, it's almost a different animal if you, if you think about it. And, uh, um, yeah, it's just different situations call for different things, but you just got to kind of pick the, the one that's the least, or, you know, the, that covers as many bases as you can. Think of it in layman's terms, and I've tried to explain this to guys. I hold my arms up in front of me, and you punch me. One way or another, you're going to inflict some damage, even if you just hit my forearm and that goes into my chest, right? I'm not deflecting anything. And then I magically become a black belt in karate and I do my little (laughs) block. I have slowed down your momentum. I've angled the, you know, point of impact or point of aim impact. You're losing all of that. I'm going to still, it's still going to hurt a little. But it's slowing down a lot of different things. The arrow is no different. If on impact that shoulder's starting to shift or they whirl or whatever, it's it is a different animal. Um, you know, completely. And I mean I've had great luck with lots of heads. There's some that are, you know, over overpriced. I mean, um I'm not a big fan of some of the aluminum ferrule four forty C heads, uh, their price in comparison to other ones. Um, you know, I do think and Jake and I are pretty upfront, I mean you know, if you're on a budget, you're probably not going to be flinging a, an iron will or a Valkyrie at a turkey. Um, you know, some guys will. I mean, I, I will. But, I mean, not all the time. And yeah. so, but you got that once-in-a-lifetime hunt, you know, or when you're, you know, you're going after elk or your mule deer. Those are the ones where you're really going to pay more attention. Not to take anything away from a turkey's life, uh, but turkey's a lot easier to kill. Um, you know, they're, yeah. you really don't even want the arrow to go through. So, different scenario. Well, they're a lot easier. They're a lot easier to miss too. So yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't want to just have arrows to Jesus everywhere that have forty dollars heads on them. So yeah, the it, it's all it's all relative. Like 
you were, t- I don't know. I haven't, I've only used, like you were talking about clothing. Uh, you know, it's crazy to me um, because I, I really haven't used much Sitka stuff, just the stuff that I've gotten from you or, you know, used when I'm, I'm around you. And, and uh, that stuff on this trip, it sucks because I'm going to spend a ton of money on it now because it's it's quiet it fits good i think it's designed for fat guys because it fits a lot better than and i say that most of the stuff that i don't like is super baggy um or it's either one or the other most clothing is either super baggy or you feel like uh i don't know it's so tight you know you feel like you're yeah i don't know it's just not it's too tight yeah but I'm not an athletic fit guy. I don't, <laughs> I don't look good in athletic fit items. But well, and I mean, the clothing thing was, you know, you don't think of North Texas is is cold, but Jesus, it was pretty freaking cold a few days, it and cold. it's vast temperature changes where it's 20s in the morning with with pretty high winds, and then 65 in the day, and then so you hop in the tree stand at three in the afternoon. And it's 60, and then you're getting out of the truck, and it's 30, and the wind's been blowing on you. There's a lot of variables, you know, in there, and the other one's noise, especially stick bow-wise. I mean, I shot my buck, I don't know, what, at 14 yards, 12 yards, pretty pretty close, mm-hmm. and the buck that blew out on me was 8 yards. Um, and, you know, I yeah, it's pretty unique. But, but yeah, so, so Jake got his buck, and then I— had some deer under me, no, no shooters, and I ended up going to the same tree stand for like three days, morning and night, going after this crazy, wide, non-typical buck that shit on my dreams two nights in a row. Um, he came up with two does, short version of the story, doe started sprinting my way, um, for whatever reason, kind of hung a little left uh, right before she got to me, my right, and just stopped on a dime and trotted back. Um, and the buck's coming right at me. I mean, and that, you know, we talk about, you know, you couldn't have put a greased flaxseed through my ass with a hammer. I'm like, holy shit, this is going to happen. Like, this thing's going to, I'm going to shoot this at four yards. And whatever happened, you know, the, the doe didn't hit scent because the buck followed her exact trail and charged off in the wood line behind me. I'm wondering if there was a hot doe in there right before that that I missed, you know, that I didn't hit. And he got on her track right. and maybe she smelt that. I don't know if she was flirty, kind of goofing around, but he did not swim me at all. Circled, went way around me and stayed on that track, just bulldogging it the whole way, which was pretty much the end of my evening and then the next night same thing uh he had nine does came up and was trailing one and the wind was kind of conducive to a certain angle for them to come in and one of the does hooked high and started stomping and just turned around and kind of trotted off and started walking and all of them fell out or took off and that buck was within 36 38 yards of me both nights in a direction i couldn't shoot and just sucked i mean it was depressing as hell i mean and again jake's got animals all over him i'm like well i had one close or oh i didn't see anything and it was like good lord can, can i not have something please just fall in my way one direction like can you just can i get a little break here good god yeah yeah you seem to have the the bad luck stick going on it was 
it was crazy. I couldn't believe when you'd come in and say, I didn't see anything. And I mean, we were seeing lots of deer. Thank God I wasn't seeing a lot of big deer because after I killed my buck, you know, we were hunting does and stuff. And I was worried that some monster was going to come by and, and I just wouldn't be able to shoot it. But, uh, we did have, well, before, well, one of the, I only had one other big buck come by me and that was a a three-year-old that was bigger than my buck, which it was fairly dark. So thank God I didn't know how big he was. But anyway, he was, he was a good three, but three point or eight point that was uh, three years old. But, um, yeah, we were having tons of does. I think I ended up shooting three does. Um, yeah, I think I, I ended up shooting three does and, uh, yeah, you were just having horrible luck. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I ended up just shooting a, a doe and a and a buck. Um, now, I, I will say, in fairness, they are very stringent on on old mature deer. So, I did have a lot of young deer walk under me, and I had a lot. And believe me, this was difficult because, um, you know, you want to go into a, a contest of putting animals on the ground, right? With Jake, you got to have your head on a swivel, and I'm having does walk under me trying to shoot a buck and not trying to put more animals on the ground thinking it would be nice to to shoot this and then let it walk by which is not easy for me to do because I do eat the shit out of whitetail and then no buck come in and think okay that happens again I'm shooting and then one come more comes in and I'm like oh my god there could be a buck behind this thing and so I'm mentally getting my ass beaten like a rented mule as well um which, I mean, to add it to it, a, a new group of, of Scott's friends had come in, and like first night, Ryan was like, oh, my guy got a buck. He missed a giant and killed, still killed a good buck on his first sit. And I'm over there playing with my tallywhacker, like trying not to freeze to death, like what the freak is going on? And so the last morning, um, you know, Jake and I went out and uh, – it was it was pretty cool. I mean, we got a bit lost on the drive over. Um, we didn't get lost. We were trying to find this spot <laughs> to where we walk through the fence, and we stopped twice in the wrong spot, and the third spot was right, but we left early, and we got in there, and um, I don't know if you fell asleep, but I, I certainly fell asleep once. I had my Copenhagen uh, can in my hand, and I remember nodding off and it hitting the ground and waking me up and then uh lo and behold i mean a few months later i look up or a few mu- a few minutes later i look up and i point out in front of the blind and and there's a buck and and jake's looking at it and he's shaking his head and um i, I it was right at legal shooting light and and and, and jake knew that the time and the shot, shooting light and, and you said hey you're good to go well i drew back with that mesh up and let down, I was like, dude, I, I can't see shit. And uh, you, you said, well, yeah, just wait a minute. He's not going anywhere. And like two minutes later, I could see fine. I go to draw back again, and my fucking arrow falls off the string because I pinched the knock. <laughs> it's bouncing around. I'm giggling, but I'm trying. I'm like, <clears throat> try not to laugh. You caught the back end of the arrow. 
I re-knock it, and, and you at this time, you had been asking me I, for my binoculars to get a look, good look at the hit and watch the deer, and I was a chicken. I was shaking my head no because I didn't want to unclip them and hand them to you. Um, and then I, I, I made the shot, and we thought it was a pinwheel, but we weren't sure. It was like, and it made like that perfect noise, and the deer jumped the fence, took off, and, and then we were quiet and just whispering, and... Uh, well, a nine point and a spike came in before or after, I can't remember, and we kind of screwed that up because we weren't paying attention. And you looked out the window on your side, and you're like, dude, I don't want to get your hopes up. I think your deer's laying right there. Um, and then I looked, and I'm like, man, it does look like a rack laying there. And then keep in mind, Jason, Jake and I have no patience whatsoever, right? So the, the whole waiting an hour <laughs> thing is not easy. So a few minutes later, you looked again and you're like, dude, 100%, that's your deer. And I looked and you could see it plain as day then. You know, it's whatever, 80 yards out and it died in bushes and it, you could see the body better. Because you're talking about now you're into getting close to sun up, right, from the time I shot it. And um, we were like, well, let's wait for other stuff to come in. And that didn't last very long and we got out and went over to the deer. Um, but it ended up being like, an, you know, Scott kind of figured, and I thought six, he said probably eight just from the teeth wearing as an estimation of the body size and everything. But it was it was a good buck too, which was cool. Yeah, yeah, it was a great buck. I The thing that made me the most nervous, I felt like the shot was good, but, um, and I don't know, like I wanted your binoculars because that damn mesh, when it's low light like that, is hard to see through. And I really wanted to see where you hit it just, just so we know. And then that damn fence he jumped, that's the only thing that made me nervous. That thing was like he, he five cl- feet tall. He cl- cleared it like by two feet. Six-strand barbed wire. <laughs> well, it was something to do. Remember Scott talking about it with some kind of prairie chicken or some shit? Or something when they put the what fence up? There was like some kind of standard he had to follow because you get like money back from the state or something weird. And I'm like, because I'm looking at this fence, like out of all the fences we've seen, this thing is like, you know, the wall in <laughs> South Texas, right, for bordering Mexico. Not like high fence, but it was a five-strand fence, and it was, you know, above my belly button, and it cleared that freaking fence like nothing. Yeah, literally, like it was, yeah, I. it made me wonder if you actually hit it. It sounded good, but I was like, oh, my God, that's. That he jumped it like he, you know. Sometimes they'll run like a bat out of hell when they're shot good, and they'll almost run through a fence. Like, uh, but he just kind of ran over and jumped it, and I was like, "Oh shit, that doesn't, that's not good." But it didn't take him long to fall over because he wasn't like sixty yards past that fence. Well, it was so. we, you know, Jake and I did not do our tracking job. We just hopped out, hopped out, and walked over to it where we thought it was and we passed it and uh i looked back i'm like shit jake it's right there it was quite a bit closer than we thought it was looking through the, the mesh and the, the window of the blind it was like uh what do we figure 72 yards from the blind or 78 maybe yeah and yeah. it was a. Uh, I nicked the back of the heart and went through both lungs um so you know pretty pretty devastating shot um so yeah, we got that taken care of, and 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 Amy. So my my wife had went along with us, and she she sat with Scotty the whole time. I was kind of out on my own, and uh, Jake was with his lucky charm Ryan, which was obviously a good combo. And Amy never shot a deer before. She shot a turkey, 
and she was with with Scott and and uh, at first she wasn't going to shoot a doe until she shot a buck and then the does came in and that ended that and she pinwheeled a doe so she was super excited about that and then two days later our last morning um, you and I were just cleaning up the camp basically like getting our shit together yeah. and uh, and she shot a nine point. Um, and was super thrilled about that. She she and she pinwheeled that thing too. About a you know pretty good shot. And the same thing. Um, they were like five minutes into leading legal shooting light. They could she could see good. She felt good with the shot. She shot. But it's hard to freaking see if you don't have your binos up the exact impact. We don't shoot lighted knocks. And Scott was like, man, I think it was good. And it didn't go. He figured twenty yards and bedded up. And um, and it ended up being, you know, she she basically it looked like blew out one lung, nicked the other, and and maybe liver. Um, and uh, and it was a good yeah. buck. She was super pumped about that. Yeah, that was a hell of a first buck for sure. And she made a great shot. Really, I think it either moved or 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 was quartering a little to him when she shot because it was right in the pocket and it came out li- right at the liver. You could tell there was liver blood coming out right there. Yeah, oh, that yeah. deer was. Yeah, she made a good shot. It, yeah, it was pretty cool, and she was so excited about that. It was funny because I was using that. Um, I had a, a great northern quivering on my bow, but I was screwing around with Randy's Safari Tough quiver, and he gave me shit. He was like, "Hey, where's my photo with the buck?" And I'm like, "Dude, it's Amy doesn't have a bow quiver. You better ask her for one." Because um, she was <laughs> using that Safari Tough quiver in the ground blind, you know, with her. Um, just that we don't have a bow quiver on her bow. And she's shooting a, a Carter Evolution, so she's shooting a, a true back tension, which I was a little nervous about. Uh, she's got a little target panic, but she doesn't with that. And I'm like, huh, well, it will be interested if she keeps her shit together on an animal. And Scott said she did great. She didn't reef it off or anything, and both of her shots were pinwheels. So. That's that's uh that's impressive because if i used one of those releases on an animal i don't even i like there'd be holes in the top of the blind and shit like <laughs> it would be there's no way i'd rip that thing off or send it through the bow one of the two but yeah she did good yeah yeah she uh she does she uh, surprisingly how much of a change it is from a wrist rocket uh you know with her to um to that true you know a back tension is pretty pretty amazing but you know some of the i don't know did you get much for questions when we were out there i figured we could answer a few of those um i've got a little bit of a list you remember anything offhand uh i had a lot of questions about that uh sitka um what's the waterfowl pattern that we were wearing or that i oh there's there's marsh and uh timber yeah so timber yeah i had I had quite a few people ask me what what I was wearing uh, because that pattern's pretty sweet. But um, yeah, I, I just was trying to think of what that was. So that that was one of the questions I remember. Um, you go ahead. You got way more questions than I did. I'm sure. <laughs> oh yeah, I I uh, the 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 bino um, rangefinder to, to to binocular like do do i per, prefer in different scenarios you know do i prefer range finding binoculars or a range finder I, i'm not going to give anybody my decision um here's the thing you need to look at if you have binos in your chest 
all of the the highlights are there, right? You you, you can look at it and arrange it and all of that stuff. The uh, the other problem though is, well, or maybe not problem. If I want to take my harness off, which I do a lot in a tree stand, I wear a hand muff. I can put a rangefinder in the front of that hand muff. There's a pocket. I can put it just about anywhere and don't have to worry about the movement of getting binos out, especially in closer or quarters or whatever. And obviously we shoot stick bows, but I will range things uh, occasionally to confirm the distance in a tree stand. So I, you know, for, for me, um, you know, I had a loophole 1600 and I really like the fact in this case I had that because my hands were cold. I would put it in my jacket pocket. I would put it in and, and have my harness off. Um, it's not that big of a deal, the difference, but there is a difference. You know, there, you're going to be able to get that little handheld rangefinder into certain positions if you want that harness off. Now, can you put your rangefinding binoculars somewhere and grab them? You can, but it won't be in your muff pocket. Um, right in front of you, right? I mean, it's it's going to be a, a bulkier spot. So that was one. The other one, clicker-wise, um, Jake didn't have a clicker on. I had a clicker on. Uh, did I pull through my clicker? I did not pull my through my clicker on the buck. I did on the doe. The doe was a bit of a farther shot. Um, I think the doe was, do you remember what it was, 28 or 32? Yeah, I think it was like 28 or 29, right around yeah. 30. Yeah, and... Um, I did on that one just because it was a farther shot, um, and, and I wasn't worried about noise. I had some wind. The buck was, you could have heard a flea fart from 100 yards away, so it was kind of like one of those deals. I had a goal to get close to it, so I just, I mean, I made a good shot. I pulled, 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 and, and released, but um, that clicker, I, I know guys, um, you know, Joel, Joel is a guy, he says, you know, the shot doesn't count if the clicker doesn't go off. I would agree with that in archery tournaments, in hunting if you can make the cognizant uh, decision or you can make your own decision to pull or not pull through, I don't agree with that statement. I don't think Joel probably would either. Um, you you got to be able to decide when. You're not going to shoot a buck walking with a, its nose up a doe's ass and pull through a clicker. At least I'm not. Um, you got to do some gripping and ripping. And, and shooting-wise, I would say you are a better, I'm not going to say snap shooter, but an instinctual shooter that gets an arrow off quicker well i'll get you in distance but closer up you're going to be more accurate and faster i i, I think if i was to i guess assess us yeah no i agree 100 percent, and that's really for me like i just shot so long without a clicker that it's uh um in a in an animal situation i've gotten to the point where i just it's not autopilot it's auto i, I don't even know what you call it because it is kind of autopilot, but I'm still uh, there. You know what I mean? Like, you know, everything that happens, I'm more focused on where that arrow is going to end up in that animal. If he's moving, if his leg's coming forward, when that animal or, you know, when that arrow is optimally needed to be released. And uh, I, I don't have target panic in that situation. But I will say um, I'm home now, and I'm, I was just telling you, I'm putting my clicker back on just for for practice so that i can get back in the habit of of pulling through and you know i got a few you know i got a few weeks before i'm going to be hunting anything important again so it's um yeah i'm kind of more i take my clicker off sometimes when i go hunting just because i don't want the adrenaline to get to me and uh rip my you know get back and and pull overdraw 
and hit that quicker and just let it rip. I'm afraid that that's what, or in some situations I will uh, think too much about the clicker and really not focus on what I'm trying to shoot because of the, you know, the situation. So, um, yeah, I, you know, that's kind of how you and I differ as far as uh, shooting. I'm, I'm more instinctual. So, yeah. And I mean, you know, you can go back. It's whatever you're comfortable with. Neither I, I'm not right, and and Jake's not right. It's really what you're, um, you know, what what you're the best killer as. Um, I mean, I can sit there and lay arrows in, you know, at 35, 40 yards all day. But if I can't hit a shot at 18, well, what good does shooting, you know, shooting that distance make? So you got to be well. One, you got to be well rounded. But um, you know, two you kind of want to judge it off of what your gut feeling is obviously but also you know just what you're the most accurate with and i think all the new people getting into you know traditional archery are you know have all these different questions and and my hope is get out start on the right path and get good form and then you can decide after that what you think is going to be best each person is yeah i think i think if i was just getting into traditional archery i would definitely uh i promote the the uh using a clicker. I think that's, that's, I think it's great for people just getting into it. I've shot so long without it. And I ha- I struggled crazy. Um, not, you know, short drawing or long drawing animals in the beginning. You know, I, I went through all those struggles and finally basically just made up my mind and said, I'm not going to miss or wound anything anymore. I'm going to kill it. And I developed something that made you know, my shot process with an animal in front of me work and, and it doesn't really include a clicker. So, um, I, for me, the way it works the best is just to practice with it and, uh, ingrain those good habits. And then when it time comes, I don't really need that click to, to go through that shot process for that one or two shots. So that's what works really well for me. Um, but yeah, I think if I was starting out, I, there's no reason not to. It's just a good um, thing to to keep target panic away from you, and um, you can you can bounce back and forth. It's only one screw. You know, you take the screw out, you pull it off, you put it back on. You know, whatever. Um, so yeah, yeah, and I, I um you know again as guys um uh you know kind of send in with questions. Uh, Jake just explained it best. I mean. You can take it off, um, and it may drive you crazy, the discipline and everything else, but it, it certainly helps you practice good form when, when doing it right. Um, you know, the other, the blind, um, what blind? Get a big blind simplifies things. You're shooting recurve, just get a tall-ass wide blind. Um, I, I would say that the window, you know, if you can get elongated, taller rectangle windows, you know, make sure that the blind window is down lower at a height you can shoot over, but... It's 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 li- literally that I have no specific preference. Um, I've got whatever those ones are called, Brahmas or what is it? You got one too. I think they're Barnett. Barnett. I've got or, some yeah. Ameris steps. I just get one that's seventy-two squared and eighty-six tall, seventy-six tall. You know, I held that one I was in with you when I shot the buck. I can stand in that and sh- and, and and shoot hunched over. Um, yeah. You know, it's really what you can afford that that it's big enough and and has the right window spacing. I don't know that there is a stick bow hunting preferred blind other than that. Yeah, the I really like those. I think 
Maristet makes them, and, they, and somebody else, I think uh, Primos used to make them. They've got the like they've got regular uh, triangle windows in the middle, but then on the on the corners they have these long windows, and they're kind of skinny. Man, those are badass for um, for stick bows. I mean, you can kneel down, even if they're they're a little shorter. You can kneel down, and you can get a wide range of of shot. Um, those ones that have the window coming all the way across get a little tougher because you have to you have to be a little higher to shoot through them and your bow you know the roof becomes a an obstacle sometimes so that's all i would say is, is those long corner windows are are really nice yeah yep they are um uh, another uh question is as far as like um speed for the did I change my setup for whitetails because of speed? I don't. Uh, I don't chase speed. I almost chase um, weight. Um, and I, I hate to copy what we just heard on that podcast, but um, I was doing it. I guess before it was cool. Um, I worry more about the noise of my bow. Um, neither Jake nor I are shooting a real barn burner when it comes to speed because it's a recurve, right? Um, you know, we're not shooting a compound. Uh, so. I really more, and, and Jake bow is super quiet. I really worry more about um, the noise my bow is making, so the buck doesn't whirl. In comparison to being off a little bit um, on yardage or something, and have speed compensate for it, because you're only compensating like ten feet per second with a stick. So I was shooting a six hundred and ten grain arrow. I just actually reworked my arrows a little bit, and I got them up to six thirty eight or six forty. Uh, just screwing around with different setups, and, and and Jake's setup is basically the same grain punch as mine. He's just shooting a little less poundage and a little shorter draw length. But I don't I don't worry about the the speed of the bow, just the noise. And I I don't know about you. Yeah, noise is like I do everything to be as quiet as possible. And and I don't know. I, this is the quietest bow I've ever shot. I've you know before when I was shooting polymers, they were pretty darn quiet. But this this Bob Lee is. Uh, it's unbelievably quiet, and actually, I'm not. I'm not just saying that because I'm shooting it. Everybody that hears it is like, "Holy cow, that is a quiet bow," um, with the mountain muffler string on it. And then, yeah, I think my arrow weighs like 585, 590, and it's, uh, um, you know, I'm using those those trad veins are ridiculously quiet, and uh, and then I don't. I any broadhead I shoot, I try not to shoot a vented one, just because it whistles. Um, in my opinion, you know, it just has that flutter effect, but yeah, as far as anything goes, I I would never, I I don't change my setup. I mean, I shot, I've shot Buffalo down to turkeys with the same arrow. I don't, I don't mess with, you know, if I was going to maybe Africa or something to hunt Cape Buffalo, I may mess with it, but anything in North America, I feel like if you have a quiet bow, quiet arrow, that you shoot accurately, I wouldn't mess with it. I wouldn't change setups for every animal. I think that, in my opinion, unless you like messing with stuff, I think it's just easier just to have one thing you're confident in and let it. Yeah, and have a sh- have a shitload of those and just run with it. I I'll switch stuff around a little bit just for testing purposes. But like, um, I've got an arrow I can't talk about. But like right now, the only thing I did on mine is just beefed up the front end of the those vintages. Um, and added a little bit of FOC as a byproduct, but I didn't, um, you know, I don't, I've shot about the same speed, same weight, same point on, same everything, you know, since I started within reason, because you get used to everything. 
that arc of the arrow or the cast of the arrow, the sight picture, it, it's just a good idea. If you start switching around, um, you know, too much on that, it can get you goofy in the moment of, of truth. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the other the other question, I guess, before we, you know, le- stop this, guys ask me about aiming techniques. Um, for me, close up, I grip it and rip it. Um, I just sight picture, draw back and shoot. When I get out there at farther distances, I use my point on or, or gap shoot, meaning 25, uh, you know, yards, the top of my insert is uh, basically at the, even with the knee. Um, 30 yards, I'm going up to where I'm splitting that. 35, the top of my arrow is getting closer to into the heart range. 40, I'm aiming right at it. And inside of, you know, 25 or 30, you know, usually somewhere in there, I'm, I'm just winging an arrow out there. Um, you know, Jake is more instinctual shooter. Um, is there a better or more optimal option? Um, shit, I don't know. I just, uh, that's what's worked for me. And so I'm not going to change it. Yeah. I think if, uh, if you start now, I think what you're doing is, is great because when people start out, you know, I shoot split finger with a little bit lower anchor. Um, I mean, I, I anchor the middle finger in the corner of my mouth. So, um, you know, my my point on is a little different. Um, and when I use it at, at long range, I don't really aim with it. I kind of get it in the picture where it needs to be at the beginning. And then I, I imagine the flight of the arrow, if that makes any sense. And and that's when I shoot the best at long range. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's great if you can use your point and get some accuracy right away, because it took me a long time to, um, become, you know, accurate with, with shooting instinctively. You know, I shoot a ton of arrows and I've shot every day for the last, or, you know, I missed a few days, obviously, but I've shot a lot. And, uh, over the last 10 or 15 years or whatever it's been. And, uh, that's how I've gotten that way. So I think a point on is a good thing. Yeah. It, it seems to have a, I mean, it seems to be a good idea to at least have an idea. I think, uh, Danny Sturgis said it best is, uh, you know, or another, you know, just cause I don't like guns doesn't mean I don't need to, you know, that doesn't mean I don't know how to use them. Um, just cause I don't right. shoot arrows far out there at animals doesn't mean you shouldn't have a plan. If you got to have a secondary arrow, that point on is going to help you for those farther distances, uh, for that secondary arrow. Um, you know, with a stick, I mean, I, you know, you're just not going to be shooting very far away, but, but man, I, I had a hell of a time down there in Texas. I appreciate you coming with me, man. It was, it was a fun trip. Yeah. Thanks for the invite, man. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. No problem at all, man. Well, cool. Everybody. Make sure to check out that giveaway and uh, check out our friends down at Topo Texas Outfitters. Um, they do Owdad and Whitetail and Turkey and all kinds of, of stuff. So, uh, and super good dudes. So, yeah, either way, man, thanks again. Hey, thank you.